Gary got to catch that, man. Welcome back to Dong City, April 5th, 2021, episode 54. 54, yes, a.k.a. the Goose Gossage Edition. Sorry about that, folks. We're coming live from Baseball Life, soon to be on YouTube, Anchor, and every other way you get your podcast. Opening day, opening weekend, we finally got some baseball, and, and we are happy, happy folks. How you doing today, Vince? I'm doing well. I'm uh, impressed with the Goose Gossage reference. I completely did not under realize that he was number 54. I had to get that um, Yeah, I'm good, though. Vaccine one in the book. So, Dong City, I know you've got the star power over there. Rob's fully vaccinated. So, we're in, like, different different stages of this. Let me explain to people what star power is. I had COVID <laughs> uh, late March 2020. And... I have this running joke that I'm Super Mario, you know, when he gets the star power, he's running and, you know, my family gets upset at me because I make that joke. But I got an antibody test and I still have the antibodies a year and two weeks later. So I am indeed Super Mario, or as you can see in my name, King Henry, as someone called me this weekend who was pissed off in the group. So that is my new name, King Henry, all bow down. <laughs> we haven't had an aggressive uh, new poster like that in a while, so that was pretty exciting to see for me, you know, coming in the aftermath, as I usually do to, to witness that. Great, and then he tried to troll, and he got trolled so subtly that he got offend offended and just blocked me right away. Just, I, I love when trolls get trolled and can't take it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They do what they do. Welcome to Dong City, everyone trickling in here. Melvin's going to one-up you with Pope Henry. Um, we, uh, we've got a lot to get to today, so we're going back sort of to the format we do during our regular seasons, our first regular season uh, podcast here this year. Uh, of course, we'll lead top of the hour with COVID updates. We will do that until COVID no longer exists. Usually, there's not much to report, which is great. Um, and then, of course, we're going to get to any sort of injuries, things like that. But then we get to discussing opening weekend. That's the most important thing. Um, we're going to discuss some major topics. Atlanta losing their all-star game. We'll get to that. Some player performances to recognize, some teams to recognize. Of course, we've got some highlights for you. And we'll wrap it up with Boonheaded, uh, our favorite segment, of course, because we get to have a little therapy session every time, knowing that there's other people like Aaron Boone out there. You know what I get, what I like during the season when we go on air that, you know, behind the scenes, we're scoreboard watching and while we're doing our podcast, like I have the Yankee game going right here. <laughs> yeah. Right above me on my, on my other TV, I have MLB tonight, you know, going. So it, it's fun. You get to, you know, watch things happen live and you try not to react or, or just react. And, uh, you know, those things are fun, man. And I miss it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I got the Yankees on the second monitor, along with all the other scores, which we'll get to as we go on here. Um, actually, we can get to real quick the one that's about to wrap up. Toronto about to beat Texas. They're up 6-1 that one. Uh, Kansas City about to beat Cleveland. They're up 3-0. My Matheny call looking real good early, the way that offense swinging the bat. Whit Merrifield looking like he might hit 50 home runs this year. That's nice. Hey, uh, you have this first place Orioles playing, all right? <laughs> we, we got Orioles, Yankees, uh, Cardinals and Marlins underway, Pirates and up 2 nothing early on Cincinnati, and then everyone else getting warmed up, including the New York Mets opening day <laughs> starts today, 
They got the Phillies since Nationals can't stop getting COVID, whether it's last year or this year. They're just addicted to it. And then the games later on tonight, which uh, we'll, we'll start after we end. But let's get into it here. COVID updates again. Well, here's a one right off the bat. Nationals, uh, they were without Juan Soto opening weekend last year when they played the Yankees. Kind of ruined that to a degree. They had to cancel all the games this time around um, with the Mets. That entire series was washed out due to the Nationals' COVID um, Nationals still not able to play. They had to cancel the Braves, but the Mets are underway. Their season begins tonight. Uh, They're in Philadelphia. So that's your COVID update. Nothing exciting, too sexy there. Let's get to the other fun topic. So bad for the Mets. I mean, you, opening day, everyone's getting excited. New York has been hyped. DeGrom on the mound, Cole on the mound, everybody's on the mound, and then the fucking Nationals is ruining. They got the shaft, uh, you know, Maybe the most exciting offseason for any team. And right off the bat, in the Mets, if I recall, and someone who's a Mets fan can correct me here, uh, they're a pretty good opening day team. I think they win like 99% of the time. So uh, I know Mets fans were looking forward to that, and they had to wait a few more days. But now maybe they could beat the rivals, their other rivals instead. We'll see. Um, opening weekend, we'll stick with the National League here. Tom Gonzalez. With the Dodgers, it's like everything's a major injury because everyone's talented, but it's also like nothing's really an injury because they have so much depth because they have so many talented players. But Gonzalez, really good pitcher for them, obviously. Uh, part of the like nine-headed monster that led them to the World Series last year. He is hurt, and he's hurt with shoulder soreness, Henry. That is not a term you like hearing for a young pitcher. Not at all. You don't know how uh, to take. We don't have any more information, but... It's one of the areas, shoulder and elbow, what you don't want to hear. It's an immediate concern, uh, especially with Urias on that team. He has actually come back completely healthy after uh, his major shoulder injury a couple, a few years ago. So that's good for him, but scary for Gonzalez. Now you have to go down that path. I assume the worst when it's elbow or shoulder. <laughs> that's, uh, the odds are usually on my side. Sometimes you get lucky, but it's usually not good. So we'll see what happens with him. Um, but that'd be a depth that'd be a depth hit to the Dodgers for sure. We had Mike Montgomery kind of under the radar earlier today, a couple hours ago. He signs with the Yankees. Um, good on the surface. I don't I don't have a problem with Montgomery. I think that's a nice depth piece. Of course, you wonder why it's happening now. Um, I it could it, this could range in like ten directions for me. Asher Wojowski has been hurt and he sucks, so maybe it's just to replace him. Uh, Montgomery, as you had mentioned earlier when we were talking, was a starter in spring training. So is this because Clark Schmidt could be out for the year with his shoulder injuries? Speaking of shoulder injuries, uh, is it because, you know, something's wrong with Davey Garcia? Is it Domingo Herman's poor, you know, poor start, which he actually recovered pretty well? We have no idea. It could be Justin Wilson. Montgomery's a lefty. So it could be a bullpen piece. Could be Britain. Um, it's something. <laughs> so Montgomery there, a depth piece for the Yankees. We'll find out. I don't think it's Britain. Britain's slated to come back. Uh, he's got the green light the minute he's off the... Uh, May 31st. They, yeah, I agree. They wouldn't have just announced a specific date. Like, the Yankees never do that to begin with. They wouldn't have announced a specific date if he had a setback. Yeah, I think um, I, Justin Wilson, I don't think... The Yankees have a ton of depth when it comes to starting pitching. I know he was pitching in Mets camp. He looked pretty good until his last uh, start where he got just shellacked. So I'm thinking yeah. the Yankees are bringing him in for lefty relief. You meant yeah. one pretty big injury. I Yeah, I, uh, I'm i with you. I think lefty relief makes the most sense out of all this. When I, you talk about injuries before, you missed a big one. Oh, what? 
Okay, Brian Hayes. Oh, I th this was not brought to my attention. That really sucks. What's wrong with him? He has a wrist injury. He already hit the IL. And um, there was another pitcher that I'm trying to – John Gray, which, again, he just lives on the IL, so that's no surprise. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, okay, we should report when John Gray is not on the IL, I think. I guarantee you it's more time on than off. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a rough injury. Brian Hayes doing his best Miguel and Duhar impression, I guess. Just a uh, young guy with a wrist injury. He, we, he may not be the same till June. One thing the Pirates had going for them. Literally yeah. Yeah, well, they made their bed. Um, one thing, I guess we can consider an injury, not a player, but I don't know if you guys caught the Dave Yeager uh, Brewers trainer in uh, going out, checking out C.B. Buckner, and all of a sudden he goes down, and we don't really know why, I think, to this. If anyone has an update on that, let us know, but that was kind of a freak uh, freak moment there. He just kind of collapsed while checking out the umpire. I don't know if it was dehydration or something else. Which is crazy because if you watch it, C.B. Buckner gets – Dude, where the ball goes right off the catcher's mitt, it just comes right up under his neck protector and just pops him right in the throat. And, you know, he went back and, and down pretty hard and you scared. And then the trainer who's there to fit, help him just passes out. <laughs> yeah, weird, weird scenario. Um, Maybe Buckner, because that's a really dangerous spot. Yeah, you wish it was Joe West. Um, but... We, we wish the best to Buckner. Um, yeah, so those are your injuries. So let's get into an opening weekend here. Uh, kind of mixed bag as far as opening weekend goes. We had the Phillies, Astros, and Orioles all sweep, which, all right, Astros A's you don't expect to sweep. No. Orioles you didn't expect to sweep the Red Sox. I mean, I think we're in agreement, Henry. The Red Sox aren't very good, neither are the Orioles. We didn't expect to sweep at Fenway there. And then, of course, the Phillies also had a sweep over the Braves. So none of these were really expected. Um, we can get to them. Obviously, the Sox and Braves winless, as well as the A's as a result of those sweeps. It is extreme dehydration. Uh, someone who is very prone to dehydration, I had a feeling that might be the case. Um so opening weekend, I mean, we'll go division by division here. We can start with the East, start with the Orioles. Orioles sweep the Red Sox. I, Andre Gaskins had a post about this as far as, you know, does this mean anything? My response was no. It's not – nothing the Orioles did to the Red Sox was unexpected to me. I, their lineup, when it's full, can hit a little bit. Um, Red Sox pitching is god-awful. You never expect a sweep between those two teams, but this means very little to me except the Orioles did what they do well and the Red Sox uh, flaws were exposed. I don't know if you feel any differently, if there's any larger indication for you three games in. Short sample size. Uh, Chris Mullins uh, just went ahead. Cedric Mullins, sorry, went ahead and just put the entire team on his back. He went uh, 9 for 13, slugging 16-37. He just had a weekend, man. He was sitting there on my fantasy. Just on, I said, you know what? Let me pick this dude up. I had a spot on my roster. I picked him up and see, you know, and I, I had low cane in my center field spot, so I just picked him up to see if uh, I can get him. Yeah, I have Santander and White, White Castle, Mount Castle. Uh, I also had J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogart, so I was just rooting for a 1,000 runs in that matchup. I obviously don't have any pitchers from the Red Sox or Orioles. Um, and yeah, it, you know, they all had pretty, pretty decent weekends, I would say, but Orioles, obviously guys like Mullins had the much bigger weekend and uh sweep there. So nothing there to report. Rays take two out of three from the Marlins. 
I think out of anything, my takeaway there was that Marlins pitching is for real. I know that third game they, you know, was high scoring, but Rays took two out of three, but game one was one, nothing Rays one. We know their pitching's good. And game two, they came back and won in the ninth off Anthony Bass. But that starting pitching for the Marlins, that's what stuck out to me. They had two really good starts against the Rays who, you know, not an offensive juggernaut, but they also can hit a little bit. And um, so, yeah, that was my takeaway. Other than that, Rays took two out of three. I I would have expected that before the series started. So that's not a surprise. Yeah, but uh, Miami played them tough in every game. So, you know, it's a good thing. I know we said Miami has some youngsters that – should be exciting this year. So, you know, it's plus it's fun seeing uh, Tampa Bay challenged a little. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're definitely scrappy. Remember, I called their demise this season. So, absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I got it. It's second place. But to that point, the team, a lot of guys taking the Blue Jays for second place and they take two out of three as well from the Yankees. So, uh, I don't think there's anything here either that was surprising, at least for me. Uh, maybe I'm a little more negative on the Yankees than most Yankee fans, but. Jay, actually, here's what was surprising. Yankees pitching was phenomenal against a really good lineup. That was my any Yankee stadium hitters ballpark. Usually they take a little bit there. Kluber looked great. Uh, obviously went like four and a third. He's fresh back, but he looked great. Um, Montgomery even pitching right now looks great so far. You had uh, Cole opening day doing Cole things and um, and Herman had a rough first inning, but after that he settled down, and the bullpen was fantastic all weekend. It lost, the only run I think it gave up was the extra inning, extra man on base run, which yeah. is whatever. King would have gotten out of it if that runner wasn't on second. The main takeaway is the Yankees lineup looks like dog shit. It's nothing we haven't predicted on this show. It's nothing we haven't complained about on this show. They got Aaron Hicks hitting third. He had no hits. Uh, he had one hit, sorry, the entire weekend, a meaningless single. Stanton had no hits cleanup. And infield hit at that, which is worse. Yeah, infield hit for Hicks. He looks like a complete jackass every time there were men in scoring position. Aaron Judge, a single here and there, that's not what you pay Aaron Judge for. There was two at-bats, and I've, I've said this a thousand times in our chat, there were two at-bats where Aaron Hicks did not swing the ball. He walked once, and he swung, uh, struck out all without swinging the bat. Two at-bats where he never took the bat off his shoulder. Yeah. You know, I was there Thursday. I was all excited. I was hopped up. I was, I was, I was there, man. I was, I was excited. And to leave opening day with a loss, it, it sucks, man. Not a number three hitter. Not a number three hitter should be. If you're not going to swing, you just want to walk like you're in little league, like you're one of the worst hitters on the team. That you should at least, at least be lead off. If you're on base percentages, be lead off. Be lead off. Otherwise, you should be in the bottom of the lineup. He's not a number three hitter. And DJ LeMayhew, again, had, what, three, four hits, five hits? He's leading off. Those hits go nowhere because you got Judge grounding into double plays every at-bat, and then you have Hicks looking at everything. I will tell you two things that stood out to me um, on this Toronto team, seeing them live. One, they hit the ball so fucking hard. Yeah. And balls that were hit to players, it, it just – I don't know, maybe it was because there was less fans in the stadium – these balls were just smoke, man, and they just sound different. And Julian Merriweather was just throwing absolute gas when he came in in two of the three games. And, and that kid was just stepping up for Kirby Yates. And, and, man, was he throwing some gas. And that radar gun was lighting up. And it's fun to see players like that. Darren O'Day was fun to watch live, too. Yeah, throwing Frisbees. 
Uh, I like Godet. He'll be a nice weapon down the road, but uh, or you know, I won't take too much more time there. Jays take two out of three. That's what you had to know. Close series, um, but you never, as a Yankee fan, if you're being honest with yourself, felt like they were going to have any big innings that entire series or come back and win any of those games. You kind of feel that when when it's coming and you you kind of feel when they were dead in the water, and, and I just felt like that the whole series. Yeah, uh, very flat. Uh, Twins took two out of three. They won another one today. So they've won three. They're three and one top of the division so far. doesn't mean much, but uh, it is the division winner we both picked. So if they're off to a good start. That concludes with a grand slam foul ball, followed up by an actual grand slam next pitch. Yep, very cool. Uh, Twins a 15 spot on the Tigers today. So that offense, as we know, can hit Nelson Cruz. <laughs> Just 800, 900 feet of home runs. Um Royals, two out of three. Tigers, two out of the rest of that division. Not much to report. Although I would say the White Sox uh, losing two out of three to the Angels start the year. They're one and three overall. And uh, and we got to talk, uh, you know, we'll jump over here. It's a nice segue into the West here. We got to start with the Angels. Um, here's my thing. It, you know, Reds fan last year, <laughs> I seem to like Reds teams as my red teams as my second. Day. Look. I'll say this. I watched a lot of the Angels because now I have invested interest. I got Walsh and Trout on my fantasy team. Um, I like the White Sox, obviously. I like watching them. Look, that Angels team's exciting. If it stays healthy, it's exciting. I, I still don't – one series not going to make them a playoff team in my mind. I think they have a lot of holes. But that team is fun. They're fun to watch. Justin Upton looked great. Albert Pujols looked great. Uh, Mike Trout did lives on base permanently. And then you had Jared Walsh, my boy, just, you know, they finally start him in that third game. He has two hits. And then they start him the next game and he has two home runs. So that kid can hit. Angels are fun. And then, of course, the centerpiece, Henry, which I know everyone's waiting for us to talk about. Yeah. Shohei Otani. uh, Here's my promise to you guys watching. Shohei Otani keeps us up to the all-star break. We're going to have Jay Farrow on this show. He wrote that book that Henry just held up. And, and we're going to talk about where it's been the entire episode talking about Shohei Otani because Henry and I are in agreement. He's, ex- he's what baseball needs. Like I, I've never rooted for him to fail. I've just expected him to fail and told you all the reasons he will. Not the same thing though, as I'm against a guy who can hit 450 foot home runs and throw 101 miles per hour in the same game. I mean, his talent is, unbelievable to watch it's Bo Jackson but baseball just baseball absolutely absurd the kid is exciting as hell you know it's it's kind of remember when when Matt Harvey was playing for the Mets and every start became must-see TV and in New York it was the dark night yeah he's getting that kind of buzz man this kid if he stays healthy and that's the big question with him can he play both sides of the ball can he stay healthy he had a collision at home plate yesterday that looked a little funny you know, if this kid can stay healthy and he's throwing the way he's throwing and he's hitting the way he's hitting, you know, in a lineup that has Rendon and Trout, it, it can be pretty damn exciting and fun to watch, man. This kid is special and you just want him to stay healthy so that he can maximize his ceiling. Yeah, you want that's the key. You want him to stay healthy. I still now we saw last night the ugly side of this uh, ending the game, his start, he, he gets hit at home plate. Uh, he's down for a little bit. He goes off limping. He says he's okay, so that's great. But it's a physical toll. What he's trying to do is something that has not now – he's not Babe Ruth. Obviously, those comparisons are stupid. They should never be in the same sentence. But when you're thinking about what he's doing, 
it's a similarity, right? Because he's trying to be an elite pitcher and he's trying to be an elite hitter at the same time. And, but it's dangerous. I mean, it's just dangerous. That's really what it comes down to is never about Otani, the person I want him to fail because I don't want anyone who can pitch and hit. It's about, this is a dangerous game plan and I don't agree with it. And I don't think the angel should do it, but if it works, it's unbelievable for baseball. So, so I get it in that regard. I wonder uh, if eventually he transitions to the bullpen and becomes a closer because I think doing what they're trying to do may be a little easier to do if he's the closer of a team instead of a starting pitcher. That has been my suggestion now. It wasn't my original suggestion. It has been my suggestion this year. If you really don't want to make him just a hitter or a pitcher, and if you were going to do one, I would choose hitter because you could stay healthy longer, I think. Why not a super reliever? He could be a Josh Hader who closes games. You get his bat for seven innings or six innings or whatever, and then you get him pitching the last two or three innings, close out the game. Uh, and you could do that twice a week at him as a reliever. He could DH the rest of the time. That to me is the best of both worlds. It's less injury risk. And one time through the order for Otani coming out, throwing one Oh one with that secondary stuff. No one's going to touch him the entire season. He'll have a, he'll have a sub one ERA. Well, forget it. He's, he'll be dynamic. Imagine the histrionics and the fun that the ballpark will have when they play some music for him. You know, I, I just think for the long term of him and he, he should be a closer and, and the superstar hitter that he is. Yeah, I agree. And it looks like the comment section also agrees. Uh, Austin pointing out need to improve his command. Absolutely. He had a few walks last night. Um, Mike Feldstein agrees with, with me. He doesn't think it's sustainable. I don't either, but I'd love to be proven wrong. I have no problem being proven wrong in this case. You can't have um, with guys the size of Jose Abreu. You, you, just, you just can't. You're going to lose that every time. I don't care how big Otani is. You're going to lose that every time. Yeah. Which, by the way, we had a... Friend of the show, Eddie Morales, sending me pictures of Otani yesterday. He's at the game. He's a big dude. <laughs> Otani's a really big dude uh, to see in person. And Eddie, by the way, is back at work. He wanted to send that message, guest relations, I believe. Um, so he's he's not back in touring. He is back with the Angels. Though. Yeah, tour guide, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he's not doing tour guide right now. They have him, like, shifting around in the, in the stadium right now. Uh, I don't think they're giving tours because of COVID, so. They, they found a spot for him and, and he's working. He's very happy. So we're, we're happy for him. Um, so yeah, angels definitely to me outside of the teams who swept this weekend, I think the angels stole the show. Uh, the only thing that was missing was like a 460 foot Mike Trout home run from that series. If you're an angels fan, they went in a walk off in one of those two. Got an Albert Pujols home run. That helps. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And you had the Otani home run. I mean, those are the guys you show up to the stadium for. And the one and they that came through. the one that mattered the Walsh won't get talked about, which is the Walsh one. Yeah, three run homer to walk it off. Uh, I woke up to that. I was thrilled. I was tagged like seven times in the Angels thread because everyone knows I've got Walsh on my fantasy team, and it was uh, I was I was very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of those like last round picks that I made on a whim, and I was like, oh, this guy looks like he can hit a little bit. Let's see what he could do. And immediate a, dividend. A good first Sunday night baseball game. Yeah. If you recall in 19, man, we had a stretch where we were just getting some god-awful games. Mm-hmm. That was good to see. There's a lot of marketable teams right now, I think. Even teams that may not be playoff teams have some players you want to watch. Pop to the Angels fans because they, they were popping in the group last night in the thread, and then they kept it going, so it's good to see. Oh, yeah. Our Angels fans are exciting in, in the group. Um, I encourage everyone, again, 
you're not making game threads, you're missing out on a lot of bonding. That's really how a lot of people in this group have gotten closer. It's just game threads. You talk about your team all day long uh, if you have the time. So highly encourage it. While we're talking about guys and players and teams, we usually trash on it. We should point out it was the Astros who just absolutely bottled Oakland the entire weekend. I mean, beat the ever-loving piss out of them the entire weekend. The reason that was so great was because Oakland went out of their way to troll Houston every single game with either a walk-up song or, or a song they were playing during the break, something that alluded to cheating every time. And it was great to watch, but you can't do that and then get your ass handed to you the way they did. So Oakland got to come stronger than that, man. You, you can't troll yep. and shit beat out of you the way you did. And it's funny because I think Oakland, and it, I don't know if Melvin's watching or, or someone else, I think Oakland pretty much owned the Astros in the regular season last year. Uh, this was a complete role. I mean, it was ugly. Every single – was, and it wasn't even like – the, the bullpen fell apart or something. It was like first inning Astros would put like three, four, five runs on the board. It felt like, and they just never looked back. If I'm not mistaken, let me double check that. Yeah. The Astros scored the most run this weekend. Here plus 26 run differential from Houston in opening weekend. That's ugly. And uh, the best part of that is Oakland is negative 26. Yeah. That is hideous. That's really bad. Really bad. Baltimore, by the way, they put they won 11-3 in the finale. I know, plus 13 over the Red Sox. That was a sweep. Twins plus 21, although they're now, you know, like I said, 3-1. and one. Um, Yeah, I mean, plus 26 by far the biggest ass-kicking of the weekend in either league. Yeah. And uh, by the way, to put that in perspective, no one in the NL is a double-digit plus or minus. Mm, no, Run differential. You're right. Nope. Yeah, you got about six of them in the AL, but none in the NL. Control the Astros for good reason. But again, if you're, if you're Oakland, man, you got to back it up. You got to show up to the game. Not only, you didn't just back it up, you got shellacked. So, yeah, that was ugly. It was ugly. They Back to the drawing board. Uh, Matt Nyland pointing out Brendan McKay, yeah, interesting guy in the race system. We haven't really seen him do both yet, but he is a two way player. Uh, his problem's been health. As a lot of Rays pitchers, I'm noticing Honeywell, another one, or Honeycutt, whatever his name is. Um, they they have some some issues getting their starters healthy, but when they do, they only throw three or four innings anyway, so they'll be fine. No problem. Only believe in, in one time through the order. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Seattle, two out of three. Not much to say there. Texas lost. Uh, they're one and two. I should say Nate Lau. Long time we've been waiting on him. He's 26 now, but he had a pretty good weekend. He had like nine RBIs, um, including, I believe, a grand slam in there somewhere. So maybe <laughs> Lau to me, him and Pete Alonzo, not that they're the same prospect. Alonzo definitely a slugger. Lau more of a pure hitter. Um, they were about the same caliber, though, when they were coming up. Alonzo obviously had the historic rookie year. Lau wasn't really developed. He gets traded from Tampa to Texas. This could be a good spot for him, though. That ballpark, pretty good lineup around him. No one really cares about the West. <laughs> he might flourish there. Yeah, if, you want, if you're a power hitter, you want to be in a park like that, and that's where the balls go to fly for sure. Yeah, new ballpark, too, um, <laughs> that their politicians won't go to. And uh, we get to, we'll get more on that later. Phillies sweep the Braves. You got to be real happy if you're a Phillies fan because that was uh, a first of all divisional series sweep. 
And second of all, they won some close games, which with a bullpen like that, you're thrilled. And Zach Wheeler looked like God, so that helps too. Aaron Nola looked great. So there's everything you can want in an opening series for the Phillies. You know what else no. looked the Phillies? Who? Bryce Harper's cleats. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't see it, no, but I have no doubt. It was an ode to the Philly fanatic. Uh, were they green? No, it was literally the Philly fanatic on his cleats. Yeah, all right. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna see uh, anything Bryce Harper does, I'm pretty much going to support. So, same here. I love the guy. You know. Yeah. Everyone else speaks out over him. My favorite Mormon. He edges out Jacob Trent. Um, <laughs> we, uh, so, Mets, obviously, Mets Nationals, not going to talk about yet, although we look over. Still no score in the Phillies Mets game. Braves obviously got swept. I don't. I wouldn't sweat it if I'm a Braves fan. Um, just a rough series opening weekend. Who cares? Marlins, of course, we talked about already. Let's get to the NL Central. How about them Cubbies, man? This is them, man. You want to talk about overreaction opening weekend? I think Cubs fans, granted a lot of it was trolling because we know who were who was making the posts, but if you had any sort of like excitement or long-term sustainability from watching the Cubs struggle to take two out of three from the Pirates – I don't know. What to do. I mean, if that's your expectation as a Cubs fan, good for you. I'm sure you're used to this type of expectation, but that meant <laughs> next to no. I mean, that was as embarrassing as it can get. If you're going to take two out of three, I would be more angry. If I'm more angry, if I'm a Yankee fan, if I lost a game to the Pirates and taking two out of three, put it that way. Two out of three, and then only having a positive three run differential. Yeah, I mean, those were close games, uh, which is sad. So Cubs take two out of three. Good for you. You're technically in first tied with the Reds. The Reds, I thought, were even more impressive. They, their bats looked really good that opening weekend. They take two out of three. Um, Cardinals have a lot of pitching issues early, but one time through, who cares? I don't think Jack Flaherty is going to be getting shelled every game, so I'm not really worried about it. Funny, I, I had pegged the opening day matchup. The one I was looking forward to the most, the pitching matchup, was Luis Castillo versus Jack Flaherty. And both <laughs> yeah. Really rocked. Yeah, uh, two of my first four draft picks. <laughs> they both got murdered. Oh, there goes that game I was looking forward to. Yeah, just an absolute robbery of a classic pitcher's duel is what that was. Yadier Molina in his first fight of the season. So, you know, everyone's up early. Oh, yeah, and we'll get to that, too. I've got so many thoughts on that thing playing out. A uh, little, little NL Central crime on crime there. Uh, wrapping it up here, Dodgers now three and one. They, you know, Rockies gave them a little, a little run. Apparently, Dodgers don't play great at Coors Field. I think that showed. They lost opening night. They've won three in a row since. No surprises there. Padres three and one. Those games were good. Yeah, they were there. They were they were right in it every game. Rockies came back. David Price came in, just got hammered. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, came in in relief. Left him in my bench though. Um, but yeah, that that wasn't a good look. Yeah, Giants-Mariners had an opening series. Um, Giants lose two out of three. They blew one of those games real bad in the ninth inning there. It's funny. I was uh, the schedule, right? And I saw that game, and I was like, damn, I always – you know, you can get me to watch any baseball game. And I looked, and I looked at that matchup, and I said, this might be a matchup I want no part of. I don't want to watch this game. Yeah. Ugly, ugly. Interleague – Seattle and San Francisco, I mean, I, I guess that's the closest you can get to Seattle, but that doesn't make it close. Yeah. It, no no sex appeal at all between those two teams. They don't have any superstar in my mind. 
left. I mean, you know, Buster Posey once was, but he's not anymore. Although he played like one, hit a couple home runs, and Evan Longoria hit a couple too. It made no sense. Over it. Yeah, uh, Arizona one and three. Look, that I chose them for fourth place, and it's because that pitching staff's complete dog shit. They pitched like dog shit. They played like dog shit, and they're one and three, so they're dog shit. There you go. What'd you say? No, they'll be dog shit all season. Damn it! What's the first baseman's name that got popped in the eye? Oh, oh! Remember, I showed you guys. You did. I already forgot. Did not think of that early. Went to scooper ball. Just did not play it right. It popped, hit him in his left eye, and boarded that shit well up. And then have on the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Christian Walker. Christian Walker. Okay. It was just nasty, man. That thing welled up and got swollen and red. It was just, it was brooding. He'll be yeah. More, more defensive drills, need, needless to say. <laughs> That's the solution. So there's your walk through the league. I mean, it, you know, I. Opening weekend, right? So if you if your team took two out of three, took three out of three, you're happy. If your team didn't, you know, you're already a little frustrated. I know I am. Uh, by the way, speaking of frustrated, we are now in the bottom of the fourth. Yankees have one hit. My joke in the beginning of the season was how many games are we going to have with six hits or less? So far, they've had one of these three games with, with six hits or more, uh, or sorry, with more than six hits. This doesn't look like it's headed that way either. So uh, Vince is going to – be insufferable all season. Vince does not I was of 162 games. From the side, look, I I give a little bit shorter of a leash every year. 2018, I was like, all right, we came within a game of the World Series. Let's see what this Aaron Boone guy has to say. And then the Red Sox trample us. 2019, I'm like, all right, we're going to the ALCS. Like, how bad can this be? Astros trample us. 2020, I'm like, all right, this is the year. This is the most talented team by far, short season. Injuries can't possibly be a problem. We lose to a division rival again. And now you got 2021. They reload again. They're set up again. And they come out looking like zombies. I get it. I get it. And the spring was terrible, too. I didn't even get to enjoy fake games. I don't get it. I mean, I don't blame you. I get it. The approach carryover is frustration. And it's literally the carryover that's frustrating. But it's the Three games and Aaron Judge. Well, it's about to be four, so <laughs> we'll see. Aaron Judge home run. There we go. See, thank Jim God. Run. See, uh, all this I have to do home. this is what also happens I complain and then things get done. This is like the story of my life, whether it's my household or whether it's this podcast or whether it's whatever. I complain, shit happens. So, thank you, Aaron Judge. Speaking of Aaron Judge and shit, we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's move on. That, that's your walk across the league. Um, this has to be the therapeutic. If you're not a Yankee fan and you watch this podcast, like maybe it was advertised to you as three Yankee fans having a podcast. It's got to be therapeutic. You just hear us complain about the Yankees 90% of the time. I'm not as bad as Vince, but I do complain. No. I am the ringleader of self-loathing right now. And it's not because I don't like the players or I don't recognize like, yeah, I'm complaining about a playoff team every year. Who's like got players in their prime. It's the way the team is run drives me nuts right down to the lineups, the nuts and bolts of every single game. I I don't have to complain as much because I got you. I can just, (laughs) I'm your mouthpiece. Uh, Yeah, I'll go there. Um, you can be the mouthpiece for this next segment as we talk about what happened in Atlanta over the weekend. And that is that uh, 
We had a little bit politics and sports, man, our favorite topic. Politics and sports. And, and as anticipated, it brought out a shitload of people who don't post and don't show up in the groups. And so there's a slightly political post and they're coming in with their Confederate flags and, and, and <laughs> our rights and their guns loaded. And, and bro, they, they, they run, they flock to those posts like flies to shit and never, ever, ever fails. These people. It's unbelievable. Medic. So uh, MLB yeah. has decided to move the All-Star game out of Van Land. Holy shit, Aaron Hicks swung the bat. He popped out. Sorry. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's Baby steps. MLB decided to move the game out of Atlanta in a protest to the voting laws that have been deemed, uh, you know, voter suppression somewhat, which a lot of them are. A lot of these rules are, are, are horrible rules that, basically just throw a lot of the poor, older, mainly Democratic voters to the wolves. And, and it just it's a shit uh, law. And so MLB decided to kind of boycott and decided to move the All-Star game. And boy, did that start a shit show. And, and like I said, the, the My Rights crowd just came out in full force. They're crying. You go on MLB message boards and, and people complaining that they're not watching MLB while they're commenting on the MLB page. Uh, it, it was just a shit show, and, and those folks will never, ever, ever get it because you know I always say poor people will always fight for rich people, and it's the dumbest shit ever. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. The part that I always take away from these is like, you know, look, I'm a white guy. I don't. It's not in my core that I have to worry about this type of stuff right because that I'm not being suppressed for my vote I walk into the library I make my vote I leave I could have just done a ballot whatever Florida like barely cares anyway we'll see if that changes with our own politics but um this is what I always notice it, the same like these people just bitch on everything they're still watching <laughs> like it was even if they're not, who cares? Like you, you don't matter. I don't. I like that's the part I wish. No matter who you are, what color you are, what demographic you are in baseball, whether you're a little kid or whether you're a grown man, whether you're in your sixties, you don't matter. You're not going to make a difference. Stop complaining about it. It should like that's my takeaway. I posted earlier, strictly from a business standpoint, this was silly for MLB solely because. You ruined, like, you, you have taken away a Hank Aaron moment that could have been, like, a Ted Williams Fenway type moment, even though Ted, Hank Aaron's not alive, but that's why. Like, this was a top five and African-American baseball player who happened to pass away this year. It happens to be an all-star game in Atlanta, a fairly new stadium, the first all-star game in two years. You're probably going to have full capacity because it's Georgia and they have less strict rules. Um, and that moment will now not exist. Can it exist in Milwaukee? I've seen that. I think that's the best second idea is you put it in Milwaukee where Hank Aaron also played. Like that, that would be my choice. Yeah, I like that the most. Yeah, I, I think it can. Would it be as special as Atlanta? Who knows? We'll never know. And I guess that doesn't really matter then. Like, we'll, we'll still have a special moment in Milwaukee. What will be bad as is if they did it in Milwaukee and the NL team had the old school Milwaukee Braves jersey. I That'd be cool would be dope now we know because we've come up with many of these great ideas for marketing for mlb on this show that this will not happen because it never does but, and that's where i'll blame rob man for the second time is when he doesn't do the next best thing but that was my point was strictly it 
MLB always seems to get themselves in a lose-lose situation one way or another. And they did it again here, even though what I think their actions were fine. I, I, you can feel however you want about this law, whether it actually hurts people, whether it doesn't. I thought it was summarized really well, actually, in the comment section. Someone actually brought up everything. You can decide for yourself. Baseball and politics mix, but they don't have to be the same thing. And I think that's where people don't understand. It's going to mix. Players can say what they say. They're allowed to. Teams can feel how they feel. They're allowed to. People can kneel if they want to. They're allowed to. You can disagree with it. But to say it shouldn't exist was never realistic. And as uh, Buster only pointed out, the sport's surrounded by politics its entire history with segregation. Segregation until this past century after 70, 80 years of baseball. Well, to think, there's a portion of the law that basically makes it a misdemeanor to bring snacks to someone waiting on the line. Like, you just think of how asinine and stupid the law is. You know, yes. Whether you fall on the left side or the right side, which that in itself is stupid. The fact that the laws were changed mainly because they lost. You just said, okay, we lost. We're going to change to ensure or make sure we don't lose again. And the crazy part is these laws will affect them. And um, it may backfire on them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely can. Absolutely. It's just a stupid law. And, and, you know, did MLB have to do it? Probably not. But, you know, finally get some props for doing something ahead of time instead of being reactive, you know? Yeah. I, I think for me, just ask yourself why these laws happened. Like, if you really want to put a political, why did they happen? Uh, we saw what just, we saw no proof in any of the courts of any sort of major election fraud. There might've been one-off situations, which I think have happened in every election since the dawn of time. And then Georgia, who just had a very controversial outcome to their election and a very close vote, decides to put these seemingly inconsequential laws in place just ask yourself, why would they do that? What is the incentive? And I think you'd have your answer. And if you disagree with me again, it doesn't matter. MLB has decided it was bullshit and fine. If the GOP holds Georgia, which they traditionally do, do these laws go into effect? Like, do these laws change? No, they don't. And, and uh, Michael Feldstein, he said it perfectly. I forgot about this. Charles Barkley kind of went on a rant, and, and Charles Barkley is not a guy to go to for bright sound fights at all. But he nailed that, that he hit the nail on the head this weekend. He had a rant about politicians, both, both left and right, not giving a shit about the average American and not caring about you. And he absolutely nailed it. In fact, I'm going to put it up in the group later. He hit it right on the head. They don't give a shit about the average person. They care about rich people. They care about money. They don't see black yeah. and white. They see green. That's, everything they do is fueled in, in green and greed. So fuck them. Which is why 99.5% of the time you should side with players when it comes to player owner arguments because the owners are the wealthier people. They are looking out for themselves. They're not looking out for the integrity of the sport or anything like that. We saw a fresh share of guys last week. No player is worth that kind of shut the fuck up. Yeah. Billion dollar industry. Who do you think generates the money? Right. You don't like capitalism. Well, there's some advice that I've seen many, many times. Is you're, you're free to go. This is how this country is designed. You're paid what you're worth. 
I remember someone saying no player is worth more than a million dollars. In a private industry, that makes $12 million just the fuck they are. Yeah. So anyway, you know, hate to play both sides here, but Atlanta loses all-star festivities. If you have a problem with it, it doesn't matter. If you have a problem with baseball, you're, it's not, the all-star game's not for you. So in my mind, either way, complaining about it makes no sense. Um, I thought that they lost a moment. I think they can recapture another moment if they play their cards right. We'll see how it plays out. I personally, as a baseball fan, I'm like, I don't, you can have it on the moon. I'm excited for the all-star game. I happen to love the MLB all-star game. and I love home run derbies. So for me, either way, I'm thrilled that come July, there's going to be presumably a lot of fans at a home run derby and all-star game because last year we didn't have that opportunity. So that's where I stand on the issue. I actually dig every single part of MLB all-star weekend. I just wish they had some sort of uh, skills competition. It's the only thing I want. Yeah. Skills competition into everything else to do. I agree. That would be cool. Um, I shit of any all-star weekend, including the dunk contest. Yes. (laughs) No, I agree with you. Something longest throw, hardest throw. Uh, it's just funny. They have like exit velocity and all this launch angle stuff, and they haven't figured out how to put that into a skill. I have it somehow. Even with the pitchers, if you don't want people to, to throw their arm out, you have a competition where you hit targets, similar to in the NHL with the uh, the pucks and shit and the targets, because I love that. I have always said, I don't know how much of a gamer you are, especially around circa 2004, but MVP Baseball for PlayStation 2 had a mini game where they had different targets on a field. You chose a hitter, you got pitches, you tried to hit those targets for extra points. It was like arcade style. That would be brilliant in real life. It's just set a bunch of markers around the stadium. All those nerds who are like, oh, hit opposite field, me being one of them, uh, do that. <laughs> Put targets all over the field. You'll see guys hit tall fields. Everyone will just, you know, have an orgy together. That's what should happen. That'd be awesome. I would watch that all day long. There's a, a home run derby game I play on my phone where you kind of get bonus points if they tell you to hit it to right field and you hit a home run to right field and then they say hit it to left field and you, and you pull a home run and you hit it. Yes. And you get bonus points and like you can incorporate that kind of stuff into it. I, I just want to see. Yeah. They had like tractors in the outfield. You hit the tractor, you get a thousand points. I just all sort I mean, you can, it's so easy. The field is so big. It's in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, like the the field of dreams. Uh, you could play the field of dreams field. Just hit corn, hit into corn. Midwesterners dream. Um, so anyway, plenty of room. Ballot boxes, you know, just <laughs> stuff the ballot boxes. Yeah, with some dongs. Yeah, put ballot boxes in certain sections of uh of the you know the stands, and whoever hits it wins something. Oh, top golf baseball style from Matt Bushnell. That's a great idea. Coming in hot, I like this. He needs to yeah, that, that's a good idea, Matt. I, I see the situational stuff, it's the stuff you can't see. You have a freaking bunt competition. We've seen them like Korea and Japan. I think that'd be great. I'm fine with it. Have pitchers hit. Here's your place to do it. The all star game when it doesn't count, and I don't have to watch it every day. Um, you've gone too far with the bunting competition. Stop it. No, uh, bunting would be sweet for like five minutes. I would love a pitcher's home run derby. So the yeah. guys who do love to rake, you know, the mad bums of the world can get their shine. I would like that. That's what I mean. Have Granky and Bumgarner and uh, Otani <laughs> enter the pitching. That's easy to come out of retirement for that one. It should just be named, can anyone beat Otani? You have everyone try and just out, out slug Otani and really see if he's the best pitching hitter in baseball right now. 
think we know the answer. And let's get to those player performances. So we talked about Otani at great length. Uh, but let's talk about Miguel Cabrera here. This is one of those novelties. It's kind of like when in football, when you play on a feet, on a baseball field, like Oakland used to do. Uh, this is like, like hitting a home run in the snow is one of those things that transcends multiple things that I like. This was Miguel Cabrera hitting a home run in the snow. Yeah. Which he didn't know he hit a home run, by the way. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of balls <laughs> when it's snow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, that, that was if, part of it. I'm sorry. If that was an aging Yankee, he's injured sliding into second. Just saying. It's an so aging- there's Mickey hitting the home run in the snow. That was fun, though, man. That, that was fun as hell to watch, though. I think some people were wondering if he knew it was a home run and he was just being playful. I think Mickey has some respect <laughs> for the game for that. Could go could go either way, yeah. He's an old man having fun on a, on a useless team at this point. Yeah, he had so much respect for the game for that, but it was fun to see. It was kind of his Manny, Manny moment. <laughs> Yeah, we got more coming in, by the way, that I like. Uh, base stealing competitions, forgot that. Circling, rounding the bases the fastest. That actually would intrigue me because you always hear these bullshit metrics as far as how fast people are running. I want to know who actually runs the fastest. I got something to go with that. You have a fan competition, and the fan that wins the competition plays versus the, the player that wins that competition. This would have been perfect for Atlanta. They have the freeze facing fans every single game. Whoever wins, we saw at least one last year. Freeze was like a former track champion. Whoever wins those gets to run in the all-star game against an actual major league player, and we see who wins. Brilliant. Uh, This is just brilliant, brilliant marketing. Dong City in the comment section comes up with that in a few minutes, and MLB pays people millions of dollars to come up with this shit, and they get it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Um... We had distance contests. I like that, obviously. Well, with non-dominant hand. <laughs> there you go. Switch hitter's dream. Aaron Hicks might win something. Might swing the bat for that. That'd be good. Here's a good one. Um, how about, like, um, ac- uh, catcher accuracy? See how many how many um, runners they could catch on base? That's a, that's a good one. I like I like, I like like catcher. I even like catcher velocity. Uh, popping up from catcher, throwing to second. Gary Sanchez, dark horse for that one. A pop-time competition. I like that. Yep. <laughs> Albert Pujols in a running competition. <laughs> that, that would be a good one where you just, whoever has the winning ticket at the All-Star game comes out from the crowd, they race Albert Pujols around bases. And then Albert Pujols gets hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, I like that too. Uh, yeah, keep them coming. We'll read them out through as we go on here. But So play, real player performances here. Urias, to me, this is his coming out year. Um, I could have told you that before the season started. He looked dominant for the Dodgers. I think he's an absolute ace going forward. Um, maybe not going to get up to that 175 inning mark, but he could go 140, 150 this year and, and have ace numbers. Uh, I am a big Urias fan, always have been. John Means maybe a more product of facing the Red Sox opening day, but he had seven, six, seven shutout innings. One hit the Red Sox lineup. That was pretty dominant. Zach Wheeler, of course. What did he end up with? 12 strikeouts? I think more than that. Rob, can you get us Wheeler's uh, Wheeler pitching the second game of the season, third game of the season? I'd love to know that. Um, and then, of course, we haven't mentioned it much, but we went on his first name. Ten Ks. Mercedes. Was that his first name? Yolman? I'm, that's totally off the cusp. Not a mispronunciation. <laughs> You're breaking up, brother. I didn't hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. What were you saying? Okay. 
the White Sox gentleman who started eight for eight. The Ming Mercedes. Yes. Unbelievable. First time it's been done in like a – well, I think the first time ever to start a season. So – They struck out ten, by the way. Ten. ten, okay. They said he started his career eight for eight, and then, of course, Sean Flaherty just shitting on everyone. Well, technically he came up for a cup of coffee. He's <laughs> good like that. <laughs> Let us live this, man. Yeah, he was eight for eight. He was doing his thing. Um <laughs> You come up and, and you you have that kind of weekend. It's just fun as hell, man. You, you're excited. Um, I, I loved it for the kids. And if, if I'm somebody around the Chicago area, every Mercedes-Benz dealer needs to be giving this kid a, a, mm-hmm. a deal. You know, you want to have your logo next to him every time he does anything right now. So ride the wave, man. Give that man a, a sponsorship deal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, eight for eight is amazing <laughs> even from a fluke standpoint that's amazing sean has to be i forget there is so there was a debbie downer skit for snl but there was that one episode where there was a guy i need to know what his name was <laughs> that's sean whenever you want to have joy in baseball life he will correct you with that and i respect this about him he will correct you with actual uh, actual statistical corrections um but anyway what mercedes did was amazing obviously what otani did was amazing um, those are probably our highlight player performances of the week. Well, you Let's get you some props for that grand slam too. Yeah, yeah. In the season, is he currently? And this is a weird question because he's. I'm not asking if he is the best hitter in the major leagues. I am asking: Is he the best pure run producer right now in baseball? The man breathes RBIs. Mike Trout's still around. <laughs> I don't Trout's RBI's numbers that big though. I mean, not not obviously at fault of his own a lot of the time, but he walks a lot. Again, not at fault of his own. I mean, right. I think Jose Abreu's actually he's got to be in the top five. The man just check out his RBI numbers. He's yeah. he's a big run producer. He definitely drives in the runs. He look he does his job. Yeah, basically your job is to drive him in, and he does that very well. You know what I mean though? Like some guys. I get RBIs. They're not as, as sexy a stat as they used to be. And with good reason, it's a team stat. You have to have guys on base. But some guys have a knack for driving in runs. And Jose Bray is one of those guys. I, I know that they say RBIs don't matter as much. I, I disagree. I'm still a fan of the RBI. I think there's an art to driving in runs and changing your approach at the plate. If there's runs. Yes, that's what I'm getting at. That's perfectly stated. Jose Abreu will change his approach to driving runs. Miguel Cabrera in his prime, maybe one of the best I've ever seen do it. Um, Jose Abreu is cut from that cloth. It's like basketball when you are a a volume scorer as compared to a guy who's just an assassin. <laughs> that's that's the difference to me. I looked up the numbers from 2017 to this opening weekend. RBI leader is Nolan Arenado with 387. With doesn't count. Six of them coming at home. Um, <laughs> J.D. Martinez, number two, 369, in less less games than Jose Abreu, who's at three, with 367. So, J.D. Martinez, I would crown as the the RBI champ. I'm not not giving credence to Arenado. Arenado did it in 521 games. Abreu did it in 507. J.D. did it in 472. I'll give it to J.D. J.D. is also a fantastic run producer Mm -hmm. uh, and a fantastic hitter. Nelson Cruz is right there with them, and, and my boy Marcelo Suna. So that's the top five RBI leaders from 2017 to this this weekend. 
It's a good stat. Yeah. So anyway, props to Abreu doing what he does. Um, I think he's underappreciated in that regard. The uh, Let's get to the other highlights here. Now, this was a big one we have to talk about. Um, this is <laughs> Cardinals-Reds in the Midwestern rivalry. Uh, let's play this. That looks like Moustakis batting. Give it a roll. So there's your uh, your wild pitch, and there's your play at the plate. Castellanos is safe. He yells something in his ear, in the ear of the pitcher, which I think was basically they like, fucking go. yeah. And then Yachty, rewind it again, Rob. Let's see when he crosses the plate again. Before we continue, remember that the way he got on base was he got plunked right in the ribs at 93. So he's already fired up. Yeah. Now he's going to score. Now, this is like the narrative of a million narratives we've seen in baseball life. If you watch this video, you cannot tell me Castellanos incited a fight. No. You just can't. All he did was yell in the face of the pitcher. That does not mean let's fight. That means I'm yelling in the face of the pitcher. Now, a normal, rational response for the pitcher would be yell back. Or walk away because Castellanos walked away. Again, the other the other thing I look at, Castellanos walked away. He, he said what he had to say. He walked away. He said, let's fucking go. He was excited again. He took one in the ribs. He scored on a wild pitch. Close play at the plate. He scored. He's excited, got up, let's fucking go, and was walking away. I'm a big Yadi Molina fan. Yadi was wrong in this situation. Yadi being Yadi, wants to always fight, came up, pushed him from behind. That's a sucker move. I'm sorry. Completely, completely agree. There was nothing Castellanos did there that dictated there should be a fight. There was nothing that dictated Yadi had to protect his pitcher. His pitcher was not in any sort of danger. And there was nothing that dictated Yadi had to come after Castellanos, who was walking away. To your point, his pitcher being in danger was a product of the pitcher's actions. Nobody told him to fucking. <laughs> yeah, that too. Good point. Sliding the home plate to cover it, causing you. You're, there's only going to be a collision. The only outcome of you sliding to block the plate is a collision. So, what did he think was going to happen? Right. This is that line in baseball that baseball struggles with. And the result of this, by the way, Castellano suspended two games for not laying a hand on a single person, not spitting, not doing any sort of obscene gesture. All he did was yell in someone's face. And that, to me, is where MLB has a problem. This was just showing emotion. I bet you they hit him with some bullshit about COVID restrictions and he was spitting in his face with some bullshit or like taunting or some other bullshit. I mean, I had bigger arguments like this in my household growing up. <laughs> no one suspected me as a kid. So this is ridiculous to me as an Italian-American that you can get suspended for yelling at someone. It's, it's absurd. And more absurd is Yachty didn't get suspended for actually trying to incite a fight because his actions were trying to incite. He went after a guy who already was walking away, yelling and charging him and had to be restrained by a teammate. That is inciting a fight. You take Yachty out of that situation and never escalates to where it got. Period. Right, exactly. He was the instigator, and he got nothing. And that's that's bullshit. That's a, it's a, it was a terrible decision. I completely 100% side with the Reds there. Where we say MLB has a image problem where you want to say let the kids play, and anytime something like this happens, you make the worst possible decision. Rob Manfred and team will always make the worst decisions. And this is just another example of it. So you, you can't have it on, you can't have it both sides of the aisle where let the kids play. And then when they play, oh, you can't have this much enthusiasm. You can't be excited. You can't yell. He said, let's fucking go. You say that. Yeah. In school. You say that in grade school when you're playing ball. So 
they got to figure out what they want the look of the league to be. Castellanos is appealing, by the way. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, uh, yeah and they should. I, look, when I was 11, this is a true story. When I was 11 in Little League, a guy on my team crossed home plate. Uh, we were down 5 nothing. I think. We, he crossed home plate. It was a six-run comeback. We took a 6-5 lead when he crossed home plate. And he said in jest as he passed the catcher, look at the scoreboard now, quoting Major League. He got a warning from the umpire because we're 11 years old and that was it. He didn't get suspended. This really in an adult version is not different from that. And Castellano's got a worse punishment, which blows my mind. But here's the best part. I absolutely love, I like Castellanos a lot. This kid has great personality. I think after the game, what happened made me love him even more. Oh yeah. Let's see this. I mean, look, yo, like I wore 93 in the ribs. That don't exactly feel good, you know. I asked Yachty if it was an accident. He said, of course it's an accident. All right, Yachty's, dude, Yachty's a boss, yo. Like, all right, I give him the benefit of the doubt. You and Yachty were kind of by yourselves on the first base side. What were you two guys talking about yo, that's, over there? That's between me and Yachty. But like I said, yo, like, that guy could have punched me in the face. I still ask him for a signed jersey, but, you know. <laughs> I can listen to that shit all day. My man, yo, if you don't, how could you not love and respect Castellanos after that? My man said, yo, Yachty could punch me in the face and I'm going to still give that dude all the respect. That's somebody who's a fan, but a ball player at the same time. It just made my love for Castellanos grow even more. Hey, you know what's even funny? I bet you the next series, he's going to he's gonna like pretend to punch him in the face and get something autographed at, at the same time because that's, 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 that's how Yadi is. You know what? That would be cool. That would be cool. Um, but the best part of it is Castellanos hit a home run in his next with that. Yes. That is always the best part of these things. Um, yeah. He's trying to draw me back to the Reds fandom. I understand what he's doing. I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, but that means um, you got to be with Larry then. <laughs> That's true. I have to second. I, I'm torn between the Reds and, and Angels right now. I got to think about it. Um, I, and I guarantee you, neither fan base wants me to be rooting for them. But we'll see. Uh, by the way, quick updates. Pirates up 2-1 on the Reds. Speaking of the Reds, Cardinals up 3-0 on the Marlins now. Mets, Phillies still no score. Bottom three. Red Sox up 1-0. I think that's their first lead of the season, maybe, on the Rays. Brewers and Cubs scoreless in the second. Uh, and the other game's not underway. Yankees up one nothing on the Aaron Judge home run. Aaron Judge up again, two on, two out. We'll see what he does here. So, I'd like to say let's get some scores in. And Dong City Bros, man. Dong City Bros. Those who know the meme know the meme. Yep, that meme wasn't uh, wasn't just created for shits and giggles. It means something. So, there, so let's get to our next situation of the weekend with the Dodgers over here. You can pull it up, Rob. I'll, I'll lay out the scene. Bellinger is uh, – yeah, Justin Turner on first base. Here's Bellinger up at the plate, cleanup hitter. This was opening day. Bellinger hits a deep fly to left field. It goes over the wall. That's what you have to know. Now, you know, Tapia reaches for it, goes over the wall. This dude, number 26, for whatever reason, is super stealthy about it, but he did get the ball. It's a home run. What happened, though, is an old – if you've ever watched um, – Little Big League, in the very beginning of the movie, they kind of cover this. Bellinger crosses Justin Turner as he's rounding the bases. 
Uh, Turner went from first to second, real, thought it was caught, ran from second back to first as he's running back to first. Bellinger, who didn't stop at first, ran to second. As a result of that, Turner is automatically out. Was that the ruling? And Bellinger's credited a single. single so, taken off the board, so was the run. Yes. So it ends up being a single instead of a two-run home run. And uh, and everyone's confused, but those are the rules. So if you are just learning Major League Baseball or have a kid who is, make sure you tell them never cross first base on a play like that if you're the runner because you don't want to be – you cannot cross up the guy in front of you or one of you is going to be out and it's going to be the other guy. Um, now, the mistake is not really on Bellinger there. It's on Turner <laughs> because he ran all the way back and it obviously was not caught. But – to uh, to circumvent that situation, if you're Bellinger, what he should have done is just stayed on first base, and then you wouldn't have this problem. But that's what happened. It was very very confusing for everyone. He got deep, though. He, he got deep by the outfielder. Yeah, yeah, and the Rockies fan. I don't know if he did that intentionally or not, but if he did, that's a sadistic move by the. I mean, that's brilliant. He was a plant. A Q and a. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe he's Q. I, I did they interview that fan? I haven't heard anything. I want to know if he knew what he was doing there, if it just happened to work out that way. Because really, I mean, he changed the outcome of the game. <laughs> the Dodgers ended up losing that game. Uh, granted, it wasn't a one-run game or anything, but still, that uh, that was impressive. And we've got our, our final sticking with the Dodgers. Although now on the Red Sox, our final situation. We had some weird situations opening weekends. Here's another one. This was Orioles Red Sox. Kike Hernandez led off his season uh, with the Red Sox and his first single goes opposite way with two strikes, by the way, like that. Then he's on first. It's a pickoff attempt. Trey Mancini, welcome back to Major League, battled colon cancer last year. He's back a little skinny, but he's uh, he's looking good. And upon replay in the bottom of the first inning of opening day in April, after about a 12-hour delay uh, in figuring out this call, they decide that Kike actually did step off the bag and was tagged out. Now, the call is technically right because he was off the bag. He did get tagged out. But this is just the worst part of replay. I don't know why it's allowed and other things aren't. A first inning replay, and this was at least five minutes that it delayed the game. I mean, you got the momentum of the game going if you're, if you're the Red Sox fans. You're just entering your season your lineup's just batting. It's the second batter of the game, and they do this. It just – there's no reason. This is not what replay was invented for. This, this is where the spirit of replay gets screwed up because this was not the intention. The intention was not to nickel and dime every play. You know, if a player was out, if he slightly lifted a foot off the base and the, run, the, the fielder kept the glove on, it's not meant for that. It was intended for those big plays, the obvious plays, the game-turning plays, it's not meant for a bullshit, like you said, bottom of the first and opening the stop. You're trying to increase the pace of play. This is not how you do it. If you want to do it, you tweak it. Or if you really want to do it, you fuck with them and you do what the NFL did and you give them a certain number of challenges and that's it. Yeah, it, it's... You get, a this was, you get a challenge flag dressed up like a baseball and you got to throw it from the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's so... I mean, the football challenges are so obvious and laid out and they have a system i still don't understand when you're allowed to challenge how many challenges you have when you like if you get challenges i don't understand any of that for baseball and i don't care because it's just so dumb like the whole system's so dumb 
I would revamp the system. I would give them a certain number of challenges and you get rid of bullshit plays like that. I mean, a throw over the first that's, come on, stop. It's not the spirit of the rule. You should not be able to appeal a pickoff attempt, period. It has, It should be a ball in play. Like that should be at least the starting point for balls, for plays you can review is the ball has to be put in play. Uh, and then you can review from there. Bad enough they freaking tweaked with the bulk rule, which is absolutely ridiculous, which will almost undoubtedly in, in, uh, make sure that there's no throwovers anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And we uh, hope there's a lot of things in the minors, some scary, some not, that we'll see. One of them is that you have to, you can't have your foot on the rubber when you have a pickoff attempt, which will essentially eliminate pickoff attempts and also limiting it to two, even if, if you wanted to, which is just silly to me. But we'll see. I don't think all of them will pan out. Not worth speculating on yet. Um, but anyway, that was the Kike Hernandez. Just another thing that baseball does that is just so silly to me. Um, by the way, Aaron Hicks up bases loaded right now. Judge obviously walked. 2-0 count takes a strike with bases loaded. Two outs as our number three hitter. And then the second one, he swings at a strike and misses. <laughs> this stuff never ceases to amaze me. Then they hit a home run just so that they can, Yankees can ensure that he hits third the rest of the season and justify. It'll only take one. We all know this. Uh, and then now it's a full count, so we'll see what happens. But um, anyway, this leads perfectly into our final segment here. And this is Boonheaded. Now, Hicks hitting third, which I have harped on all night, was my suggestion. But we are going to overrule it. The official Boonheaded. Henry, why don't you walk us into it here? So I chose this for Boone or suggested this for Boonheaded, not because I agree with it, but because I just think it's one of those things that fans will always uh, be up in arms with, which is Jose Berrios was pitching a no hitter. Um, in fact, so was the other team. It was, they were, they were head to head, no hitters. I think it was a sixth inning and he was pulled with 89 pitches, I believe. And it starts up with what happens every year, pitcher being pulled too early. He wasn't too happy about it. I think they went ahead and uh, whoever came in pitched another inning of no-hit ball. They ended up giving it up after that. And then you get the thing of should you pull him, should you not pull him. So we wanted to go with the Aaron Boone batting Hicks third because we've hated it. But we're going to go with uh, Jose Barrios being pulled in the middle of a no-hitter. Yeah. And I, you know, I get pitch counts and it's opening weekend and, and all that, but there's just some things like various, how many pitches was he pulled out? Do you know? How many? I think it was 89. 89. You can't go to a hundred. Like what's spring training for if you're not ready for a hundred. And by the way, Fuck you, Rob. <laughs> live. Fuck you, Rob. <laughs> Welcome to the season. Giancarlo Stanton has hit a grand slam after Hicks walks. It's 6 nothing Yankees. All of a sudden, everything's okay with the offense. Yankees are going to win the World Series. Are all screwed. That was a shot. Stanton hits the granny. Maybe that'll get the offense going. And if you are Chris Britt right now, you can expect a post from me later tonight after bragging about being 3-0 with the Orioles. This is just how this stuff works. Oh, um, said it was a shot, and boy, was it. 471-115. That's a bomb. Uh, some corrections. Brian points out Bellinger was given a single and called out. Turner was given the run, which that makes more sense. I knew that. I froze up in the moment. For the record, uh, fun is at the game. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, Devers. Feldstein brings up Devers. 
I didn't see what he what he looked like defensively this weekend. It wasn't great. Uh, it's kind of like how Glaber Torres looked defensively this weekend. It's like, you know, guys who are Red Sox fans might excuse it. Um, we look at it, and I'm still saying that he's not a long-term shortstop based on what I'm looking at. So I, I will admit something, which is not a surprise to Vince. Vince and I are in the, another Yankee group, Yankee-only group, where Vince is one of the admins, and and – it's not the smartest group of people. <laughs> and I should say to, to the defense of this group real quick, this is the smartest of like Yankee fan pages because we actually took them from other ones. I will say that this isn't as bad as the other Yankee groups. I, yeah. But there you go. Now you can continue. You get guys that are super passionate about the dumbest things. Uh, I got also true. Someone said, oh, you don't get, the Gary Sanchez offensive skill set from other catches. I'm like, what skills? It's home run or nothing. There is no skill set. Right. Then he doubled down and started talking about his defense, which I'm like, no, stop. So Glaber Torres is one of those sore subjects. And of course, somebody created a post from a spring training game where he made a nice play. And of course, that was like, oh, the Gary said the, the Glaber Torres haters look away. So now I make it a point every time Glaber fucks up to go to that exact post. And just, you know, little emoji here, little emoji there, you know, a little passive aggressive. And I know because I know they have a chat with Vince. Vince hasn't confirmed it, but he doesn't have to. I know it <laughs> them off. I know it needles them so fucking much. Uh, yeah. If you knew the amount of chats I have that revolve around the Yankees and revolve around people talking about people in the other chats, it just would be mind blowing. Uh, and I'm sure I get it too. Like, you know, we, we have our Yankee chat, the amount of bitching I do in that chat every single day. If anyone's having side conversations about me, I have no doubt that has to exist. So it is what it is. I, I, am not going to change my opinions. Um, but we are aligned in that so far Glaber short tours does not look like a shortstop long term. I mean, he's not, he's not making routine plays. It's mandatory for a shortstop. And Jay Bruce didn't help him with that error. I mean, no, and Luke Voigt, when he's healthy, won't either. This is the problem, is if you want to have a guy experimental at shortstop, you have to have a very solid defensive first baseman. Yankees don't have either. I don't think Voigt makes that play, but I don't think Voigt looks that ugly doing it. <laughs> he, uh, Jay Bruce just stretched yeah. to the wrong side of the bag. It was, it was bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, no. no now, I don't know how much Jay Bruce... I don't know how much Shabers was going to be expected to play first base before Voight went down. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He probably was looking at DH corner outfield. That's what his natural, if he has a natural position is. Um, and then he's kind of thrown into the everyday first base role. It's the beginning of the season. Fine. But to your point, Henry, the bigger problem here is again, maybe Luke Voight's a little bit better at first, but you can't have a, a guy at first who is not above average and, and Gleber Torres at shortstop. You can't have both. This is kind of like a quarterback who's a rookie with a bad offensive line. Like you just can't have both. You got to have a, you have to either have a quarterback who's above average or you have to have an elite offensive line. You can't have both. Can't have both. And, and I played first base. I, Love the value of a good first baseman. Um, like you said, you, you can't have both. You can't have a subpar defending shortstop and a subpar defensive first baseman. You can't have it both ways. Right. This is what baseball does to you. I just get a photo from my barber who happens to run into my son at the game. <laughs> wow. 
I didn't realize. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I, I, you mentioned it, but uh, yeah, Jaden also pointing out Glaber struck out to end the inning. So I'll take it. Hey, a five spot Yankees just had as many runs in that inning as they've had in any game this season throughout the entire game. So I'll take it. So here I'll share this funny story with the group. I did post it earlier, but Rob, you have that queued up. Don't, don't post it yet. I'm let me talk, go into the story. So we're sitting in our seats and it's pretty cold opening day. Um, so where we were sitting, we weren't getting any of the direct sun. So we said, you know what, let's w- get up. We walked around. We ended up uh, right center field. And then we ended up over by the bleachers, by the Yankee bullpen. So I think it's when Chad Green was brought in. And I noticed Chad Green's coming in. And I see Aaron Judge leave the field, coming into the where the bullpen area is. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, that's odd. Randy's next to me. My son's there on the other side. And I pointed out to them, I see, oh, Judge is leaving the field. And, and this guy's warming up. Five, six, seven minutes go by. Green's still warming up. I'm kind of looking around like, where the fuck is Aaron Judge? So here comes Aaron Judge. My son's recording because he wanted to just catch Judge coming out because we were that close to where the bullpen was. And I jokingly yell out something like, did you take a shit? And he heard me. And he turned around and he started hysterically laughing. And my son has it on tape. There you go. You got to get the audio with it. I don't know. Watch the audio. There we go. <laughs> and then there goes Randy and I just having a grand old time laughing about it. He knows what he did. <laughs> but then between that day and then I ended up having some fun with Mike Harkey, the bullpen coach. You know, I'm yelling at him and calling him CC because that's the joke between, you know, everyone. He looks like CC. I think he dressed yeah. up for Halloween one year. And I'm like, Mike, who's warming up? And he's kind of giving me his back. And then at one point, he kind of goes like this with his hands. You know, and I'm like, oh, day. And he starts, eventually, he, as I'm filming, and he's, he comes up, he starts messing with us. He tosses me a ball, which I didn't see. So it goes up. So I'm like, ah. Oh. So, you know, we're bullshitting with him. Judge comes up in the bottom of the ninth. I said he's going to hit a walk off. And Mike goes, if he hits a home run, I'm throwing you two balls. Judge strikes out or whatever he ended up doing. Nothing. The next day, the next game, rather, we go, we go to the same spot, and we're messing with my Harky again. He ends up tossing my son the ball, which he got that day. So that was pretty cool. That's so, awesome. I had a lot of Yankee interaction this weekend. That was pretty cool. Mike Harkey is known around the organization as, like, one of the nicest human beings ever. So I'm glad to see it confirmed. I was cracking jokes about Mike talking and stealing two bases. I said, who are these guys? And he just started laughing, man. It was <laughs> that interaction with these guys. Awesome. Um, yeah. So that uh, that wraps up, I think, all of our action here. Cardinals up 4 nothing now. Yankees still up 6 nothing. Uh, Orioles got a runner on base. By the way, what will be lost in all of this, unless something crazy happens the second half of this game, is Jordan Montgomery looks fantastic. And that's going to be big for the Yankees. And we both saw it coming. Yeah. <laughs> I said about Monty. Yeah. Jordan Montgomery looks fantastic. I'll, I'll go. I'll go a step further. The upside for Jordan Montgomery in my mind this year is he could pitch game two of a playoff game. I'm going to repeat what I said before. He got six strikeouts already. He just struck out Mancini just now. 
he's not a strikeout guy. He's more of a, a finesse pitcher. He's going to pitch the contact sometimes. I love the strikeouts. But I said early in the season, I believe Monty will be the second best starter on the team behind Cole this year. And I'm sticking to that. And I'm saying that even if Kluber and Talion pitch, you know, to their potential, the reasonable expectations this year, um, I think Monty just being second most built up guy in the rotation, he's going to be, he, he's, this could be a big season for him. And a big season for him isn't in a season, but it is a middle of the rotation arm. And I think he has that potential. He has always reminded me of a young Andy Pettit. And then that's the comp I'm sticking with. I think he's a smart pitcher too. Uh, two more things real quick. My son makes fun of me because when I go to baseball games, I look for little nuances that kind of, I guess, a regular fan won't look at. And Randy was sitting next to me and I was pointing out to Randy how horrible that Vlad's feet were and how uncomfortable he looked playing first base. And I was pointing out things before they happened. His bad footwork, feet getting crossed in front of one another, him not being able to hold the runner on the right way, little things like that. And that was kind of fun to be able to point out. And then he was messing up. And of course, he hits two home runs against us, which is where his value is. Of course. The other thing is Corey Kluber, watching him change speeds and absolutely toy with the hitters was an amazing thing to watch. If he ages and he keeps playing with his speeds, he's going to pitch until his late 30s, early 40s. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Profile-wise, structure-wise, frame-wise, everything you can want. Uh Great, great body <laughs> to, to do what he does. So anyway, uh, that'll do it for us here tonight. Uh, I will not be here next week. So Henry, you can announce a surprise co-host next week. Uh, at some point this week, I will be on vacation. I What's that? Maybe I'll go solo and give them an hour, hour and a half in Puerto Rican from the Bronx. Who knows? Whatever you want to do, it, it's totally your call. I'll be uh, I'll be back probably very tired the following week, but I will be here uh, to rejoin you in two weeks. So anyway, tune in next week, 412, Monday, 412, 7 p.m. Eastern time for a Dong City without me. Uh, tune in tomorrow for an Audible without me or Henry. Uh, but you get Matt Bushnell and Randy Hammond. They can discuss Sam Darnold's future because it's not with the Jets or uh, in that organization. So don't know anyone who saw that demise coming. And uh, and then tune in, of course, for the rest of our podcast. You've got the step back on Wednesdays. You've got the work shoot on, nope, Fridays. Yeah, I'm going to get that eventually. I feel like, though, we said Friday and then they came on some random time this past week. On Saturday. I just have yeah. to the guys were on. So we got to get them to nail this yeah all right well it's 100% their fault but they will be on on Fridays work shoot is Thursdays and of course you've got total bases your fantasy podcast on Sundays as long as they also stick to Sundays we saw them on a random time too so uh anyway I have a big show coming up what's that I expect the total bases got to have a big show big big first week you got to have a big show oh yeah I've got a lot of things to talk about fantasy wise so I hope they do and I hope that I can catch it um, Monty, I believe, is through six shutout innings. So good for him. We'll add him to the list for next week, maybe, depending on the rest of this week. Anyway, this will do it for Donk City. We will be back next week, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Everyone have a great night. Coming in, Donk City, bitches. <laughs>